We've reached week number four of our open water series and waypoint number four, which simply put is clearing the decks. The way to navigate to a blessed life involves clearing the decks. Now, the term clearing the decks is a naval warfare term. Back in the days of the old wooden sailing ship, the, the crew were sent to the decks to secure or to remove those loose items that would either obstruct or potentially injure someone on the boat. And so, that idea of clearing the decks has the idea of being prepared for action. There's two specific ideas with this. The first one is clearing the decks helps people see. Helps people see. Now, I served at a church that considered kind of resetting the stage. There was a small stage, and we had a nine-foot grand piano on that stage that obstructed a number of people's views. Now, I'd like to stand here and tell you that the reason we wanted to remove the nine-foot grand is because we were aware of the obstructed views. I'd like to tell you that, but I can't tell you that. The real reason why we wanted to remove the nine-foot grand is because we needed to fit more people on the stage, and so we decided that the best way to do that was to replace that nine-foot grand piano with a seven-foot grand piano that we had sitting unused in another room. And it was only when we removed the nine-foot grand piano that we stood there and we suddenly realized how much of the stage our congregation couldn't see. Now, the interesting thing is I'd been in the church for three years, and it was only when the nine-foot grand was removed that I was able to see more clearly. Now, many of us have been locked up at home for, what, eight weeks now? And uh, we're probably itching to break out into the world. And, and the thing is, when you spend a lot of time in confined spaces with people who know you really, really well, those people start to pick up some things about you that they don't like, and honestly, you don't like either. And in a situation like that, right, what we tend to do is to kind of rearrange our life so that that thing that we don't like, that thing that is causing us so much friction, is pushed so far away from the people that we love and do life with. Now, that seems to make sense, and there are good components to it. But the Bible says that's not the wisest way for us to navigate our way through life. The Bible offers us different advice. Have a look at this text from Proverbs chapter 28. This is what we read in Proverbs 28, 13, and 14. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one, here we go, who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. The verse continues, blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. 
Notice what the verse says here. The verse says, hey, you're not to replace things. You're not to, to kind of rearrange your life. No, you're supposed to renounce and confess. You're supposed to remove. Carried into the New Testament, we'd say that we remove those obstacles from our life because when we do that, people are able to see Jesus more clearly through us. So we clear the decks because it helps people see. It also helps us see more clearly too. Now, the second reason why we clear the decks is because, get this, it prepares us for empowered relationships. It prepares us for our relationships to form and to deepen. Now, over the last two months, uh, Vipka shared this last weekend, we've uh, had a number of household projects, and we've agreed on every one of them except for one. <laughs> Vipka had this idea to, to clear away all the bushes at the very back edge of our property. And I remember the conversation saying, Vipka, I just cannot understand why you would want to do that. We've got a big yard. It's, it's kind of so open. It's so clear. Why, why do you need to do that? But she said, you know, I just think it would open everything up. So night after night, after night, after night, in fact, for over a week, Vipka was in the back of our yard with the kids, you know, that paid science project she referred to last week, uh, clearing away all of these bushes. And I stood in the kitchen sometimes. Yes, I, I didn't help. I think there was one time I maybe cut the branch. I was too busy with work. You guys know how that goes. Now, seriously, I, I was there uh, looking at all of this thinking, why is she doing this? After a week, she finished. And uh, I remember being in the kitchen watching Vipka one evening raking the ground where the bushes had been cleared. And there came the lady from the next house walking her dog on the edge of her property. Now, these bushes may have been liked by the deer. They may have been liked by the turkeys. We have 63 turkeys, by the way, walking over our property. They may well have been liked by the coyotes. Yeah, we had four of those too last year. But the reality is those bushes never once empowered a conversation between neighbors. And I stood in the kitchen watching Vipka have a conversation for the first time while standing on the back edge of our property. See, the reality is clearing away the bushes enabled a relationship to form. It enables relationships to deepen. So clearing the decks is a wise thing for us to do because it helps people see Jesus in us and through us more clearly, but at the same time, it also empowers relationships. Now, in week number three, I talked about trusting the advice, trusting the voice, and I shared at the end of that message how it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to take the will of God in the Word of God and reveal it to us who are the sons and the daughters of God. And, and one of his primary tasks as the one who reveals God's will is to reveal to us those obstructions that need to be not replaced or rearranged but removed. Now again, John 16, 7 and 8, it says this. 
But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus says, hey, I need to ascend in order for the Spirit to descend. But why does the Spirit need to come? This is what we read. This is why he comes. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So you see here that one of the roles that the Holy Spirit has is to reveal to us those obstructions that need to be cleared out of the way. When that happens, when we live a life where we are partnering with the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to reveal to us those things that need to be removed, our relationships deepen. Here's the thing. If the vision that you have for your life does not require your relationships to form and to deepen, then your vision is too small. But because God's vision for your life is so great, God wants you to clear the decks. He wants you to see as clearly as you need to see for the next step of your journey. He wants you to be empowered in your relationships. And it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility, it's his task to work together with you so that he reveals the obstruction and that you partner with him, not to rearrange things, not to replace things, but actually to see the obstruction removed from your life. Now, here's the thing. Living in that kind of world, in that reality, isn't an easy thing to do. A few moments ago, you were privileged to to see Teresa's story. I still remember the day that I received the email from Teresa. In fact, I remember the day that her and her husband walked forward on the beach to be baptized. What's amazing about their story is that we get to see how it's worked three years later. We get the privilege of hearing all of the hard work that's been involved as they've partnered with the Holy Spirit and seen the Holy Spirit remove those obstructions that not only kept them from a dynamic relationship with God, but also kept them from a deep and intimate relationship with one another. You see, as they cleared the decks, the Holy Spirit deepened the relationship. I don't know what vision you have for your life, but I do know this. Unless you make clearing the decks an active part of your ongoing relationship with God in Christ, you will never experience the blessing of God on your life that you could if you partnered with him. So what does clearing the decks look like? I I think what it looks like, as we saw within Teresa's story there, is just recognizing that when the Holy Spirit comes in, he he convicts us. He convicts us of hurts that we're carrying, of of hang-ups that we've long long had, uh, of kind of habits that we formed that just destroy life. And as soon as the Holy Spirit starts to do His work, He convicts us. That conviction works on our emotions. 
the emotion that we often describe or, or kind of ascribe to that is the emotion of guilt. When the Holy Spirit starts to work on our heart, we often start to feel guilty. You see, there is a positive side of guilt that God uses to convict us of things in our life that are wrong. And here's the point. If we don't allow God to clear the decks, then we live with the consequences of guilt. There are three terrible and destructive consequences of guilt. Guilt destroys our confidence, it damages our relationships, and it keeps us stuck in the past. But as we partner with the Holy Spirit in allowing Him to remove these obstructions, we start to be able to navigate our way to a blessed life. So what is involved in clearing the decks? Four things I want to share with you, and, and, and the first thing is this. Clearing the decks involves us being willing to take a good look around. Take a good look around. Now, I'm not encouraging you at this point to take a good look around at your home and see who needs to be cleared out. That, that, that's kind of not my point. What I'm really referring to here is just being willing to just look at your life and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to deal with in me? The scripture I refer to for this is Psalm 139, a familiar passage, but I love verses 23 and 24. This is what we read, search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's anything offensive in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Those verses became particularly important to me in my life during a, a really troubling and challenging season of ministry. In that season where I felt that I had been offended, I sensed the Holy Spirit telling me that I needed to look at myself and to examine myself. As I did that, as I made that journey, I became aware of three issues that God was needed to deal with in me. I became aware that those issues were hindering people from seeing Jesus in me. Now, don't get me wrong, there wasn't anything as sinful in that regard, but they were obstacles, they were obstructions. They were things I needed to deal with, and as I gave God the permission to look around openly in my life, I recognized that I needed to do a few things. I got up earlier in the morning. I went into work even earlier before people arrived. I, I prayed more. I journaled more, and as the Spirit shone a light on those things that needed a change in my own heart, I just recognized that I needed to share those things. I was in that season as radical with my own life as Vipka was clearing those bushes away from my yard. Let me ask you this. When was the last time that you ask the Holy Spirit to take a good look around at your life? When was the last time you actually spent time in prayer, not speaking, but listening for a prolonged period of time? Clearing the decks means that we're willing to spend a good amount of time looking around. 
the second part of clearing the decks is this. Having given God the opportunity to, to look around in our life and partnering with him in that, there comes that point where we need to accept responsibility for what he reveals to us. The passage I refer to here for this one is 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Again, familiar to many of us. This is what we read. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, this is the good news, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. What is the Apostle John saying here? He's saying accept responsibility for those things that are yours. I've recently finished reading Patrick Lencioni's new book called The Motive. In that book, Lencioni talks about two motivations for becoming a leader. The first that he addresses is the reward-centered motivation. It's the idea that when you are a leader, you get to choose your work, who you work with, and when you complete it. And he says many people are motivated towards leadership because they have a reward-centered approach to leadership. But he says that the, the, the real proper motivation for leadership should never be reward-centered. No, the real motivation for leadership should be responsibility-centered leadership. It's the idea that we lead in order to serve. It's the idea that with leadership becomes responsibility. Specifically, Lencioni on page 148 of the book says this, one of the difficult aspects of responsibility-centered leadership, and this is what he said, is the need to confront difficult, awkward issues quickly with clarity, charity, and resolve. I love that. With clarity, charity, and resolve. I was speaking to one of my children last week about this, and I said that one of the hard aspects of applying this in leadership is not actually having difficult conversations with other people. No, the hard job of responsibility-centered leadership is actually being willing to have the hard conversations with yourself first. Because unless I'm willing to have the hard conversation with myself first, I may have the authoritative right to have the hard conversation with someone else, but I do not have the spiritual right to do it. One of the hard tasks of leadership is leading yourself. Let me ask you this. When was the last time that you accepted responsibility for something that somebody pointed out to you? How easy is it for you to do this? How difficult is it for you to do this? The reality is, if we want to navigate our way to a blessed life, then we have to be prepared to clear the decks, and that means admitting responsibility for those things that are ours. Now, there's another side to this. As I was thinking about this last week, I, I realized that there were, was a time last week when we were kind of renovating uh, one part of our house, and, and um, 
you know, the dishwasher's full and everything's going. And we, ha- we had a meal and, and we finished the meal and one of the kids got up from the table and kind of left their plate on the, on the table. Now, anybody realizes, right, that one of the key things for, uh, in raising a child is to recognize that they have a responsibility to actually take their plate from the table and either put it in the sink or at least put it in the dishwasher. What they certainly don't do is leave it on the table. Now, as I was thinking about this, what is the right way to respond to this? Well, according to Lencioni, the right way to respond to this is with clarity, charity, and resolve. Now, if you think about this, God does this with us, right? Romans 2, 4 says, it is God's kindness that actually brings us to repentance. And I'm mindful that we've spent an increasing amount of time cooped up in a place with, with people we love, people who know us really well, and in situations like that, the irritation can go up, and sometimes we can forget our responsibility. So what happens when one of our kids gets up from the table and kind of leaves their plate on the table? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to respond? We're supposed to respond with clarity, charity, and resolve. What does that look like for you? For me, that looks like calm and constant repetition. Calm and constant repetition. Reminding them calmly, responsibly, of what their responsibility is. Now, if when one of our kids leaves their plate on the table and we go from like 0 to 10 uh, being the highest on the anger scale and we go to like an 8 over a plate, believe me, our kids will clear up their plate, but they'll do it because they're afraid of your wrath, not because they're accepting their responsibility. And I think that looking at my own life, one of the challenges of putting this willingness to accept responsibility for the obstructions that I need to clear out of the way, not rearrange, not replace, but to remove, is just recognizing God's kindness and God's patience. And so this is a word for those of you who may be living at home, looking and thinking right now about the, the kind of issues that your spouse has, your kid has, your best friend has, let me just remind you that the responsibility that we have is to redirect people with clarity, with charity, and with resolve. Let's remember that it is the goodness and the kindness of God that brings people to repentance. Let us be the type of people who calmly and consistently reinforce the importance of responsibility. When we do that, what we will discover is that People will be more willing to accept the things in their life that need to change. So how do we clear the decks? We clear the decks by basically having a good look around, and secondly, by accepting responsibility. But the third thing we do is we make this commitment. We don't sail solo. I know that sailing around the world on your own is a big deal, but through life... the right thing to do is not to sail solo. Have a look at this text in, in James at chapter 5 and verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I love that verse. Uh, look at what it says there. Confess your sins to each other. Now, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how to illustrate what this means, and I I was reminded that uh, just a few moments ago, uh, I shared with you a season in my life where I just sensed the Holy Spirit asking me to be willing to allow Him to shine the spotlight on my heart and reveal to me those issues 
that I needed to address. Now, he didn't just leave it there. He also asked me to write them out and to share them with the people that I was doing ministry with, those people closest to me, and actually allow them to speak truths into my own life. Now, I'm pretty sure there are a number of you here would really like me or really wondering whether I'll share what those three things are. Nah, not going to do that. And you know why I'm not going to do that? Because James 5.16 doesn't tell me to share my, to confess my sins, to share my faults to the world. It asks me to share my sins, to confess my struggles, to be open about the obstacles that I'm trying to get around with those people who I do life with. Please notice that. I really think that this is a key issue, that many of us find this part of the text, this part of the Bible, so difficult to do because we've got so many circles of relationships that we read this text and we start to think, okay, who am I going to share things with? And so we try and add another circle of relationships to our already overpopulated circle of relationships. But that's not what the text says. The text says we are to confess our sins to one another. This one another is the people that we do life with. Now, of course, in order to do that, we need to ask ourselves, do I trust the people that I'm doing life with? Some of you may be in a season of your life where you cannot answer yes to that question. May I suggest to you that one of the things that you need to do over the next season of your life is rebuild the trust? See, the reality is trust can be lost in a moment, but it takes a long time to regain. But when you read this text, just realize that we're not supposed to go through life alone. And the ideal way of doing this is that we are in relationships where trust is the foundation where a commitment to preserving the integrity of that relationship through not gossiping to other people. Gossip is what? Talking to someone else about this situation when the people you're talking to are not a part of the problem and they're not a part of the solution. I want to suggest to you that trust and integrity of the relationship are foundational to actually going through life in a way that enables us to see getting rid of those obstructions in a positive thing. And I want to encourage you to develop relationships with the people around you where this type of thing is normal. Here's what that looks like for me. What that looks like for me is that when someone I know and I do life with ultimately is, is acting in a way that is kind of typical for them and not necessarily Christ-like, not sinful, but it's just a part of their character that God is reforming. I just basically say, well, that's Craig just having another bad hair day. All of us have bad hair days. I mean, I've got one right now because we haven't had a haircut for eight weeks. Eight weeks, people. We need a haircut. But the reality is some of the people we do life with, they're going to have bad hair days. And when we're in a relationship of trust, when we're in a relationship where we know we're all clearing out our stuff, it makes it a whole lot easier to be more open about your own. But it's built on trust. It's built on integrity. It's built on confidentiality. 
It's built on protecting the relationship. This verse is misconstrued if it basically is taken to mean that we have to share everything with everyone. Don't do that. But rather work in your relationships to make sure that you're able to develop this side of your, of your life because we weren't meant to go through life solo. Lastly, I think the fourth part of this is simply this. As we start to, to, to be more open about what God wants to work on in our life, we, we need to recognize that sometimes we just need to accept God's forgiveness, and this is the important part, simply forgive ourselves. I believe that that is God's word for some of you watching this today. Forgive yourself. I love this verse. We know Romans 3.23, right? We're aware of that, but I love verse 24. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But verse 24, and all, look at this, all are justified, what is that word? Freely, freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. Redemption that came through Jesus Christ. If we are to make clearing the decks, getting rid of all of these obstructions from our life, a part of the practice, the everyday practice, we don't replace, we kind of don't rearrange, we ultimately remove through renouncing and confessing all of those obstructions. If we're to make this a part of our life, then the key for this is being willing to accept God's forgiveness over and over again. And church, forgive yourself. I don't know what you're bringing into this service with, uh, coming into the service with. I don't know what you're bringing into this, but I do know this. The grace of God is like water. It will reach even to your lowest point. God's grace covers it all. And there may be some of you right now who just need to be soaked in God's grace. You need to remind yourself today and every day that no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've run, God's grace means that you are forgiven. I want to close with a, a story I visited a lady one time in March in a ministry I was a part of. I believe it was Hamburg, Germany. And as, as I got into her house and we were having this conversation, I kind of noticed out of the corner of my eye, and this was March, that there was still a Christmas ornament in, in the corner of a room. And I kind of, have you ever been in there, you look at something and it's like, hey, I, I, I'm looking at this thing, but I don't want to look at this thing. I, I mean, the thing was so obvious. How could she miss it, right? And so I'm trying to look and not look, but the lady saw me, and she said, oh, you're looking at the ornament, and what do you do? It's like, uh, no. So it's like, yeah, uh, I'm looking at it. She said, Dad, I do this every year. Every year, she said, I choose one ornament that I will leave out for the entire year. And I said, why do you do that? And she said, because I want to remind myself that Christmas is a gift that God gives to me every day of the year not just one day of the year. I love that. 
Because there are days, there are seasons in our life when we need to wake up each and every morning and remember that the gift of grace, the gift of forgiveness is ours every single day of the year. All we need to do is thank him for his goodness, thank him for his grace. I don't know what you're dealing with right now, but I do know this. We've all got our stuff. And what I want to do right now is just close in prayer, asking that God will just bathe us all in the goodness of his grace. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh, God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. God, we thank you that it doesn't matter what we're bringing into this, because what we take out of this is your forgiveness. It's your grace. And God, your grace is a good grace. And so, Father, I just pray that you do a couple of things. Firstly, Father, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would enable us to develop the type of relationship with you where it is okay for us to give you the opportunity, Holy Spirit, to basically reveal to us those things that just don't deepen our relationship with you. I pray, Father, that you would reveal through the Spirit those things that are blocking people from seeing Jesus in us. And God, I pray more than that, that you would just help us to be able to, to deal with these through confession and removal rather than just rearranging aspects of our life to try and control those things. God, may we have a deep relationship with you that gives you the permission to reveal and to remove. God, we thank you that we are powerless to do that, but you are powerful, and through your grace, Father, we can experience the power to change. And Father, as we, as we sing this song, Good Grace, I pray that the truth of these words would just hit home to us like never before. And may those of us who are participating in this service struggling to forgive themselves, God, may they just receive the fresh revelation of their forgiveness through Christ in Jesus' name. Amen.